Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, Wayne Liu. Uh, joining me to discuss the Canadian uh, Senior Men's National Team program uh, as they embark on the World Cup, which will take place uh, for Canada. It'll start in about three weeks, uh, is Jonathan Chen, who writes for Raptors Republic. I, uh, you know, saw your primer on uh, the roster when the, I believe, 18-man roster was announced for training camp, and it's been since cut down to 13 as uh, Team Canada has traveled to uh, Germany uh, for a series of friendlies. But uh, yeah, Jonathan, you, you really hit it out of the park with that uh, preview. So wanted to get you on and get your insight on, you know, who is going to be representing Team Canada this summer. So uh, welcome to the program. Yeah, so, okay, um, that primer, um, I believe it's still your pinned tweet. So for everybody um, who is looking for something to read, it's it's a bit of a long read, but I don't think it's like uh, you're not really like getting bogged down too much. It's mostly just like detailed in terms of just every single player. And I, I think for most of the NBA players, like I, I'm sure most people know how like Shea Gilgis Alexander plays, yeah. for example. But I think even for some of the, the the lesser known players, either in the NBA or uh, the guys who primarily play overseas, like uh, it was a really good primer on sort of like the skill sets of the players involved. So I kind of wanted to get into that. But let, let's start with, you know, the biggest question with Team Canada all the time is just who's going to be on the final roster. Um, as of right now, if I were to ask you who were your 12 players that's going to be representing Team Canada at the World Cup this summer? Who are those 12? Right, yeah. Um, so I think starting off with, I'll just go with like guards, wings, and bigs to kind of okay. make it a little organized. But I think my 12 would definitely be um, for the guards. It'd just be Shay, Nikhil, um, and then two Euro guys, Trey Bell Haynes and Phil Scrub. And then for the wings, it's mainly the NBA guys, Barrett, Dort, Brooks. Um, I think I would carry uh, Melvin Edgem as well. Mm-hmm. Who was part of the the summer core and one of the few non NBA players in the summer core, and I think the bigs is probably the most straightforward of them all right now, based on just the thirteen who went. Um, it'd be uh, Kelly Olynyk, Dwight Powell, Zach Eady from Purdue, and Kyle Alexander, who's a, a Euro pro. So, out of the thirteen players that went over to Germany um, on Sunday, I think I, the one that I would be cut would be uh, Thomas Scrubs. Right. Right. Okay. So. Right away, um, there is one name that's missing. Uh, it's Jamal Murray, who, I mean, to be honest, I, uh, you know, no one really knows specifically or definitively whether he's going to play or not. It seems right. like the door is being kept open for him to play. He did show up to Toronto to attend training camp. But even at training camp, it was a big ta- talking point in terms of just like, you know, asking um Jamal if he's going to play and and asking coach Jordy Fernandez uh is, is Jamal going to play and and sort of the the tone is he definitely would like to play but uh it's sort of about injury management um things like that um mm-hmm. obviously the announcement was made that he is not traveling to Germany however Canada after playing in Germany for this upcoming week will then travel to Granada in Spain and play a, a additional uh friendlies and so there is a chance, at least right now, as we're recording, that uh, Jamal potentially joins them in Spain. And if they, if he does, then obviously he's going to walk into the team. Sorry, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. What, 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 what do you think in terms of just like 
the situation with Jamal? Uh, what are some of the factors or or even just what do you think of the likelihood that he even uh, he right. can come through? Because he would be obviously their second best player if he if he showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think honestly, if he if he does show up, the the senior men's national team is kind of going to be it's already kind of the most talented already. Yeah, um, that's currently constructed from at least compared to the last few editions. Uh, but with Jamal Murray, it just enters like a different tier um, of a medal contender potentially. And and I'm just looking at kind of like the past for the senior men's national team. They've had they have made like these types of exceptions before mm. um, in terms of having guys who don't necessarily participate in all the exhibition or like friendlies, and then actually coming on a little later. So they actually the last time they did that was. Um, the 2019 World Cup, uh, Corey Joseph, they had a home and they had two games in Canada mm-hmm. um, against Nigeria. And I think Corey played in one of them, the one in Toronto. Yep. And then they flew down to I think, I think Australia. Australia. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and Corey didn't play in any of those qualifiers, I believe. Um, but then he was, of course, like the, the main guy on the, the World Cup team um, in China in 2019. Um, so like, just based on what Canada basketball is saying and like the past, like it's definitely possible um, if Jamal Murray and who knows, like the Denver Nuggets uh, staff and the medical staff allow it. Um, like he could, he, he could play. Um, but, you know, I think, I think there's like a lot of factors, obviously with like injury management, he's also extension eligible. I've yeah, heard. Right. And so honestly, I think for me, I was really surprised that, uh, with with even with like the Nick Nurse firing or not firing but stepping down and Jordy coming in, I was pretty surprised with the the commitments to training camp and how mm-hmm. kind of most of the summer core did show up for training camp at least. And so I think for me, I'm not too enthusiastic that Jamal is actually going to be there. But that's like I don't have any source or anything. That's just like I think there's just too much things that are in play here um and i wouldn't fault jamal at all for for sitting out yeah i I think for anybody who's watched um the the senior men's national team um for more than like one cycle or two cycles well it's you're always sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop whether that's sort of like a disappointing result in the tournament itself or just like dropouts in attendance yeah as you mentioned jamal is eligible for a three-year 144 million dollar extension from the denver nuggets and um you know, that is not obviously signed right now. Could it be signed in the next week? And could part of that be sort of just like, hey, you know, you're, you you can go like, um, you know, that would be very nice. I think from a Canadian perspective, either way, his contract is guaranteed. And I think he's making like 30 plus million the following season. So it's not like it's uh he's he's at, walk, walking into a free agency situation. He is, you know, going to be paid regardless. Um, But yeah, I mean, the biggest thing obviously is just that Jamal's missed like pretty much large part of the last two seasons and then this past season was quite healthy and uh, obviously did legendary legendary things uh on route to the championship so um it is good to see him like being around the group and building that camaraderie Uh, i would say there's definitely reason to be skeptical about it but i would say that yeah if they're able to hammer out the extension if if that is something that both jamal and and endeavor wants to do right now that will probably give it a, a lot more assurances. I think it's notable. Like, it, so uh, Jokic is also not playing this yeah. this World Cup, yeah. right? For yeah. Serbia, yeah. so that's, that's a little tougher. I feel like yeah. I don't and know I why they, he's not playing, but yeah. I think they also had um, Vlako Kanchar 
for Slovenia the other day. Like he, he was playing for Slovenia, but yes. he tore his ACL in one of the uh, the exhibition games as well. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe the, the Nuggets are uh, getting a little cold feet there. I mean, I I don't obviously those are like completely unrelated, but I mean, if you're looking at it from Nuggets management standpoint, like you know that that is something to be weary of. Uh, obviously, it's 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 a working relationship, there, right? Because it's not like the Nuggets are just going to say Jamal, you just can't play no matter what, and because that's a guy who's been in their program for such a long time, he has a lot of equity. Having said that, though, um, you know, right now the fact that they've traveled from training camp without Jamal. Um, I would say the at best is 50 50. Um, even without Jamal, the roster is still quite good, as you mentioned. Like the starting five, um, the way you had I actually I guess you didn't list out your starting five. Maybe we'll just go from there then. Okay, let's let's assume Jamal's not involved in this in this situation. And obviously if, if he is involved, he walks straight into the starting lineup and he yeah. is in the backcourt with Shea and 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 we're we're just like giddy every single day watching this team. But I think there's good reason to be happy watching this team regardless, because um yeah, walk me through what a potential starting five could look like for for Team Canada. Yeah, sure. Uh, so for me, I think at the one, it's like pretty obvious. Yeah. Shay, um, no question there. And for me, his backcourt um, running mate is it would be his cousin Nikhil. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just think I think just looking at like the rest of the guard depth now that you know Kevin Pango, Corey Joseph, Cassius Robertson all kind of pulled out. It kind of just makes sense just based on like skill set. And then for me at the three, it'd be uh, RJ Barrett. And then we're rounding out the front court. It's uh, Kelly Olinick and Dwight Powell. Um, yeah. And I think honestly, the, 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 the two wing positions, the two and the three are probably the ones that I think most people can kind of quibble over. Right. Because um, we do have a lot of kind of NBA wing depth. Uh, but yeah, to me, the clear starters have to be Shea, Olenek, and Dwight Powell. Right. I mean, I would even put RJ in that group just because, like, I mean, look, it's not just because his dad is a GM, um, <laughs> but it's also RJ has shown, like, pretty consistent attendance, I think, through a lot of this, too. And realistically, I mean, if you don't have RJ in the starting group, I do worry a little bit in terms of just, like, who's your secondary scorer besides Shea. Um, and even though RJ struggles with efficiency, um, I still think that, you know, he is quite effective, you know, puts pressure on the paint, gets to the free throw line, things like that. The The battle at two, I think, is going to be interesting because, you know, I could definitely see the case for Nikhil, right? But I also think that, you know, you can also make a case for Canada to put one of their premium defenders um, on the wing in that slot. And, you know, those options would be Lou Dort or Dylan Brooks. And, I mean... Yeah, walk me through sort of like the the calculus that you had in terms of putting Nikhil in as as the starting two, and um, you know, I th- I guess I would I would look at it in terms of just like the pros and cons of just um, you know, what you would ideally want from from one of those two wing positions there. Right. Yeah, I think for me the reason it's Nikhil is just compared to Ludor and Dylan Brooks, despite being kind of an inconsistent shooter, he's still like. A tier above both of them. Yeah, um, that's when it fair. comes to three-point shooting, um, but also he's kind of like a tier below defensively. But we did see kind of towards the end of the season with Minnesota, he kind of started to really um, improve on the defensive end, specifically kind of in point of attack scenarios and guarding ones and twos, mainly guarding his cousin Shea and also Jamal in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So for me, I think he, he just offers kind of that two-way kind of role player that kind of fits in perfectly with the um, starting lineup because I think Shea is going to draw so much attention um, and create so many advantages and so many rotations. And, you know, you already have Dwight Powell, who's kind of a non or He is a non-shooter. Mm-hmm. And Barrett, who is, let's just say, an uh, inconsistent shooter at yeah. this point in his career. Um, and so I think to really maximize, you know, Shea's advantage creation, Kelly Olenek's passing, you really need kind of another guy that can kind of finish plays for you from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can also see the opposite way, too, because, um, you know, if Nikhil is starting at the two, that bench unit doesn't really have an offensive kind of creator. Yeah. I'm a primary creator and you're kind of relying maybe on Dylan Brooks to be that primary creator, which maybe that's his role that he wants, but I don't know if that's the the best role for him um, currently. Um, So yeah, I think there's a lot of ways you can go back and forth and I I wouldn't be too mad if, you know, obviously Nikhil is the sixth man or if he's starting, I could see both. Yeah, um, that was my other question too. Is is sort of just like, um, I guess without Jamal, then you you do look at this team and and they are a little bit short in terms of like just guard creators. Obviously, yeah. if Jamal comes, you you're 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 good. Like you you have forty minutes combined of just absolute excellent uh, point guard play between Shea and Jamal. But if he doesn't come. Then all of a sudden, I feel like some of the other players who ultimately didn't come uh, with the team uh, overseas, I mean, there are a lot of guys that were involved in the training camp that were yeah. point guards and that they ultimately didn't go. Like, I actually would have liked a Corey Joseph on this roster, for example. And it's hard to imagine a scenario where Golden State would have been like, hey, no, I'm not going to let Corey Joseph go play for his national team. Like, that's, again, like, yeah. that's just not how this would go i think it would be more closer to like Corey's either busy which also is a little hard to believe considering how much like like Corey is like literally like is he not the most capped canadian at this point um i think definitely at least in this core of players um, it's like him and kelly right are the, the two guys yeah who, yeah him and, and kelly, i guess melvin melvin yeah definitely and then maybe even the the scrub brothers are kind of catching up okay word well, in any case, it, it would be nice to, to have some bench creation, but this is a good problem because I, f- I feel like, um, you know, there's there's a decent amount of defense also on this roster as well. And that was a lot of the conversation um, just listening to um, the interviews that were conducted last week at, at OVO, where there was a lot of talk about sort of the team using their physicality defensively and what they could do as a group defensively. And I'm, I'm curious, like, when you when you look at this team, um, what is their best defensive group? Let's say they're protecting a seven point lead with two minutes left in the game. Ideally, who would you have on the floor for for your best defensive look? Right. Yeah, I think obviously it's going to start with uh, Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort. Okay. You know, Dylan obviously All NBA second team, um, All Defense second team. Sorry, um, and Dort was kind of snubbed. Uh, but you know, everybody knows his reputation as kind of a one-on-one defender. Mm-hmm. I think as the big for me, it would be uh, Kyle Alexander. Okay. And so he's um he played in the Euroleague last year, um, and this year he's taking one a step down into a strong Euro Cup Euro Cup team, um, which is a second tier Europe European league. Um, but he he is a fantastic fantastic defender. Um, 
It's actually really similar measurements to Jaron Jackson Jr., which I talked about in my piece. Yep. 6'10", 7'5", wingspan. He's not obviously quite the rim protector, um, but he's very mobile. Uh, And honestly, I think like if he had if you if he had one NBA level skill, it would be rim protection and defense. Yeah. Uh, I think he's clearly uh, the best defensive big on the team. And then uh, for the guards, I think I would probably go SGA. Um, I think when he's when he's locked in and with his length and his size, he can definitely dis- disrupt um, mm-hmm. on the defensive end. And we saw last year he had like ridiculous stock numbers. He had a lot of deflections, um, and he can make some really good rotations, especially for a guard on the weak side. And so I think when he's locked in, and I think if it's like a seven-point game, end of the fourth quarter, high leverage situation, he'll definitely be locked in, and he can make some plays there. And then I think the the next question kind of comes down, or the last in the in the best five defensive lineup kind of comes down to who the opponent is to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. If they, if if they have kind of like a big uh, that's like kind of dominating in the low post, maybe you throw in Kelly Olynyk just for his size um, at the four, mm-hmm. or Dwight Powell if you really really need to like be able to switch everything. Yeah, you're you're really putting a lot on Shea's plate offensively to create if if uh if the front court looks like Powell oh, and, yeah. and Alexander. Yeah. But I mean, hey, listen, again, if you're again, if you're just trying to get a stop, you know, let's say you're it's like 30 seconds left, you want to get one stop, then yeah, of course you would actually go with something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if it's like more of like kind of a perimeter creation uh opponent that we're facing, I could see, you know, playing the keel as well mm. and going small. Sure. With uh with Brooks at the four. So I, I think there's a lot of kind of versatile, um, long athletic defenders on this Canadian team. And I know Jordy Fernandez has talked about their goal is to be the best defense in the tournament. Mm. And I think it's, it's definitely possible given the players that are on the squad. Um, but I think, I think the actual true best defensive lineup comes kind of down to who the, who the opponent is and who they have in the game. That's fair. Maybe it's just like a lack of familiarity with with Kyle Alexander, um, but like I, I could see the best defensive team in the tournament idea playing more if we had like a shutdown big defensively, and I think maybe that's just something where for Team Canada, like that's just I don't really think we've ever had that at like mm-hmm. the all world kind of level, um, and it does kind of concern me a little bit. You know, if I've, I'm going to be completely honest about it. Like, I, I think the FIBA game, like, having more, like, it, it, I would say it defensively tilts war, more towards size, especially at the center position. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot more, like, camping in the lane and and, and bigger players are, that I would say are generally defensive liabilities in the NBA, probably would, like, uh, have a better presence in FIBA game. Um, you think there's any yeah. chance Zach Eady? get some minutes on, on not just for the fact that he's you know seven foot like how tall is he man seven foot three four seven foot four i think he was officially listed yeah not only because he's seven foot four and, and and actually quite efficient offensively but can he get on the floor just based on his size and his rebounding and his defense like what kind of role can we expect from him and obviously he's like probably going to be the youngest guy on the roster but at mm-hmm. the same time i think he brings something unique with just like his sheer size yeah, I think I agree. I think I'm pretty high on Zach Eady in terms of becoming a consistent rotational player at the mm-hmm. World Cup. 
Um, I think he just like speaking on his offensive value, like his size, you know, it helps him score and kind of finish plays. Um, offensive rebounds and then setting screens or like handoffs like he's just a huge human being and you know there's really no substitute for having a seven foot four guy mm-hmm. um but i think defensively it gets a little kind of murkier yeah um, like he does have kind of strong movement skills or good movement skills for his size like he's not like a extremely slow laboring big or anything like that but you know the truth is he is he does the struggle to defend in space and specifically in the pick and roll um he, he plays exclusively as a deep drop big mm-hmm. yeah. and you know in college even in college you know those guards they they were they went at him you know they attacked him you know pull up mid-range pull up three pick and pop that's all going to be open um, and that's like we're conceding that basically when zach is going to be on the floor um and so i think it was interesting because Nick Nurse last summer in the two games that Edie did play with the senior men's national team, albeit they were really like low, like blowout minutes, sure. um, yeah. garbage time. So they weren't anything like high leverage or high pressure situation, but Nurse went with a zone and it was kind of like a shape shifting zone where he okay. stuck Edie in the, in the middle of the paint because like, you know, there's no like defensive three in the key. Yeah. And like the rest of the four guys were just, on like two at the top and then two on the wings and then they just kind of were left to go guard all five guys who are on the perimeter and mm. Edie was just stuck in the middle and he would not leave the paint and he would just grab rebounds or if somebody went and drove he would go and contest mm-hmm. um so i think i think it's definitely possible that just based on his offensive values he should be 10 15 minute type of guy at the world cup this year but if jordy fernandez can kind of get creative with his defensive schemes and maybe throw in a zone here um, and then play deep drop another possession, I think like he can definitely start playing even more minutes um, because, like as you said, Canada doesn't really produce all-world type big. big. Um, traditionally, it's mainly like the guards and sometimes the wings. Yeah. And Zach Eady, over the last couple of years, he kind of projects and looks like he can be, even if he doesn't play in the NBA, he looks like he's going to be a dominant FIBA big, whether that's in the EuroLeague or more with Canada basketball. Like he looks like a legitimate kind of stalwart in the center position for the next 15, 20 years. Um, yeah, and this is just getting it started, I think, this year. Yeah, um, this is not just us bringing him up because he's half Chinese and uh, I'm rooting for him <laughs> tremendously. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's also again like I just think that his style um, kind of fits this FIBA game. Um, yeah, I, I think one thing with sort of playing deep drop is like, you know what, drop looks a lot better when you have like one of the attack defenders like Dort and uh, and Brooks, and and that would help you a lot mm-hmm. in terms of you know just trying to deny because obviously if he's not going to be up to 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 help at all basically on the perimeter um there will be some two-on-ones that are unfortunate and there are a lot of great guards i would say internationally um who can yeah. really capitalize on that idea but at the same time like i don't know there's there's uh it, it's uh i would just like to see it sometimes against you know lou door trying to navigate around the screen it, it probably won't feel like a two-on-one in that in that kind of scenario okay offensively um yeah We'll flip the scenario. Canada's down seven. Uh, you know, Jordy Fernandez calls one of his last two remaining timeouts, gets some substitutions on the floor. Um, and yeah, who are the ideally those five guys that you would like to see on an offensive standpoint? Because 
I mean, if Canada goes small with Kelly Olenek at the five and just says, screw it, like, we don't necessarily need stops. We just want to get as best, like, offensive kind of production, as much offensive production as possible. This team could look really damn good. Yeah, yeah, I think you hit it right on the nail. Like, if we need that kind of offensive punch, I think it really comes from, the creation at least comes from Shay and Kelly Olenek uh-huh. on this team. And, you know, if you slide Kelly Olenek up to the five, all of a sudden you're asking opposing bigs who are maybe not quite as big as Edie, but kind of in a similar vein. Um, you're, you're, you're asking them to, you know, be more active in the pick and roll, follow Olenek around on the perimeter as he kind of goes through some movement shooting sets. Uh, so I think definitely Olenek would be at the five, would definitely be kind of the optimal offensive environment for the team. And then kind of filling out, it'd probably just be Nikhil, RJ. And then I think this last one is kind of like a sleeper pick. And I think it depends on kind of if Jordy Fernandez just draws up like a set that they need to hit, they need to hit a three-point shooter yeah. or they need a three-point shot. And I think it would be Phil Scrub, who's probably the second best or best even three-point shooter on this team. Mm, okay. And yeah, with Phil Scrub, he's really... He's a really good movement shooter, and so you can really run him off kind of um, different off-ball screens, dribble handoffs, and get him kind of open looks. And that's actually what Canada did uh, in the 2019 World Cup when he was kind of playing a larger role than kind of a maybe first expected. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever he would come in, they would run this one kind of dribble handoff with, off a stagger screen at the top, and he would get like an open look going to his left, and he would just like pop the three. And so I think something like that could definitely work. And yeah, and if, in a situation where you need a three pointer, I think Phil Scrub is um, the guy for that. Yeah, that's interesting. And again, like I think just because the FIBA game feels so much more like half court oriented, like you really do need like a movement shooter is so much more value than a guy like Lou, who you know is mostly a catch and shoot standstill in the corner type of uh, three point mm-hmm. shooter. Um, and obviously. There are other things that you can do in between, like you know, obviously Lou is a better slasher than 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 um, Phil Scrub, but at the same time, like um, the level of physicality and also the level of just like there's always a seven footer in the lane. It does sort of. I mean, I feel like most offenses, most defenses actually feel quite comfortable with Lou or Dylan Brooks, sort of like you know doing a little bully ball stuff, driving to the basket because the efficiency on that is just not going to look that great. I mean. So I'm, I'm trying to think about in terms of sort of how this team will operate. Um, and one thing that's sort of appealing to me, and I'm curious to, to, to get your thoughts on this. Um, sometimes I, I obviously I, I watch like Luca play for Slovenia sort of as often as I can, because, you know, it's Luca and um, yeah. Yeah. Luca just has the ball all the time and is dominating and like literally nobody can stop him. Like it, it's, it's not too different, I suppose, from what he plays for the Mavericks, but it's at another level when he plays for Slovenia. Is there any chance, and it, would it benefit Canada at all to essentially do that with Shea? Just say, like, hey, here's the Luka playbook? Right. I think I think it might be not as effective because I okay. think Shea isn't quite the playmaker yeah. that Luka is. That's fair. Um, but I, I do think that we'll be... I mean, it depends on how Jody Fernandez actually runs his offensive schemes, which I don't really know because he hasn't been a head coach, at least sure. at the NBA level, and I haven't looked into kind of his uh, European career yet. But 
yeah, I think with Shay, like he is going to drive and it's almost like an automatic advantage that he creates yep. when he just drives. Cause he, he just, he just gets by anybody that's in front of him every single time um, over 40 minutes in a game. And so I think, I think just by proxy of that, like you'll definitely see some kind of heliocentric offenses mm-hmm. um, that Luca plays, but I, I don't think it would be quite as effective um, just because for now, I think to me, Shea still feels like kind of more of a reactive playmaker where it's not like he's anticipating this rotation, so he's going to make a different pass. It's more the defense has made this rotation. Okay, now I'm going to make this skip pass instead. Right. Um, but I think I think what what might happen is teams might just start blitzing Shea in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I had a tweet about this after I went into some. Um, deep dive into Dwight Powell's game and Kelly Olynyk, but I think both of them kind of, well, in Dwight Powell's case, he definitely has like Rhett doing that with Luca when he gets blitzed sure, and yeah. kind of in the short roll, um, in short roll situations, I think Dwight Powell is a pretty good passer, especially when he has to like spray it out to the perimeter for threes. Um, and Kelly Olynyk is just a fantastic passer and a great driver of the ball for a big. And so I think, if teams do kind of start blitzing Shea and trying to get the ball out of his hands, having those connectors like Olenek and Powell um, are definitely going to be important for, for Canada. Yeah, that's definitely how I would um, try to attack Canada defensively. Not not the whole game, because I, I just don't think that that's too sustainable uh, mm-hmm. for any sort of defense. But at the same time, like I would try to test to see who are Canada's secondary playmakers. Because I think, again, like without Jamal on the team... Um, I I do have more concerns about that. Um, I mean, that, that, having said that though, like I I feel like we're, I don't know. I I feel like I'm always sort of thinking about sort of what could go wrong, sort of trying to like again wait for the other shooter right. drop. Like this is a, objectively like going to be Canada's best roster in terms of talent and pedigree. Um, heading into any sort of major tournament, like I, I again like you, you mentioned yeah. the the last time Canada was in uh the World Cup that that was that took place in China. Like our go to options were like Corey and um Kem Birch. Oh, Kem Birch was on that roster and I think that actually gave the Raptors an advantage to signing Kem Birch when he got bought out from Orlando <laughs> he was like oh I'm right. so familiar right. with Nick he gave me so much freedom um and then yeah <laughs> n- not so much uh that that really took place with the Raptors unfortunately with Kem but like that was the roster and like, you know, playmaking and, and defense was just kind of a constant struggle. That team was a little bit unfortunate too. Cause as you mentioned in, in the, the warmups, and I remember being at, uh, at uh, TMU for, for this game, but like yeah. Kelly Olenek just like fell on his knee. I don't even know what specific, maybe he got tripped or something, but yeah, he fell on his knee in that uh, just friendly against Nigeria. And that knocked him off of the tournament. He will probably would have been Canada's best option offensively. Cause like, otherwise Canada was just like, it's Kyle Wilter coming off a screen, launching from 30 feet contested. Like actually, yeah. I actually wouldn't have minded Kyle on this team. Quite frankly, I actually, you know, enjoy his, uh, his three point marksmanship off the bench with yeah. some size, um, mostly vertically rather than horizontally. But yeah, like th- this is so much better than that. Um, it's, it's like levels above that just based on the fact that Shea's there, but also the depth of um, NBA players. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, if there's going to be like an X factor, you know, the, the go-to uh, question, anytime anyone previews anything is who's going to be the X factor, 
who would you say is the X factor on, on this roster? Like they need to, if they, if this player plays well, can has a really, really good shot getting out of the group and potentially even, you know, making it to the finals of uh, the world cup. Right. Sure. I think I'll, I'll go with like two X factors. Okay. Um, good. All right. And I think the first one is mainly, to, I think going to be an X factor due to like the perception of this player in the NBA. Um, and to me, that's Kelly Olenek. I okay. think in the NBA, he's kind of seen as this like, a role player, connector, yeah. um, you know, starting level player on playoff teams, maybe a bench player on like a championship team. Um, so I think in the, in the FIBA game, he, oh, he's great. quite honestly, is like, yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons kind of in my piece, I put him in like this core within the core with Jamal and Shea. And obviously he's on that level. Mm-hmm, um, uh-huh. But he's, he's just such a versatile offensive player. Um, and it's, it's, it's such a unique offensive player. Like, it's not just, okay, he's a big that can shoot threes or he's a big that can pass a little. But it's also, like, the way he moves and his dribble game and drive game is pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you kind of just add all of these, like, different skill sets together on offense, and all of a sudden you're looking at, like, a big in FIBA who can, who can be physical on his drives and bump players. But then he can also kind of go with more finesse, um, and you can kind of use him as a playmaking hub, even, which I think is pretty um, something that Jordy Fernandez might do, especially seeing what they did with uh, Sabonis in uh, Sacramento. So I think just based on yeah his perception, I think most NBA fans kind of see Kelly Olynyk as this kind of uh, tertiary player, but really I think he's going to be the second best player. He's going to be the second guy, the second mm-hmm. offensive creator the second best player, the second most important player on this team. And like I don't doubt he's going to play well. I think the last time, or he still has a senior men's national team scoring record, um, which is 34 points after mm. the last time Canada lost to Venezuela at the America Cup. Oh, and he make it to the God. Olympics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But he still played fantastic in that game. He did. Um, yeah, fully. Yeah. yeah. And other than that, I think the next X factor um, – would actually be R.J. Barrett for me. Mm, yeah, I think he's kind of had an up and down NBA career where, you know, the only constant has been that he has struggled to score efficiently. Yeah. Um, he scores a good volume, but never really at high efficiency ever. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, as we, as we kind of discussed, Canada kind of lacks that extra secondary perimeter creation on the mm-hmm. squad, especially if Jamal is not going to play. And, you know, if you go down the roster, you kind of look at the different players, and it really just looks like RJ is the next guy in line to kind of assume that role. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the past, he's been amazing in FIBA, specifically at the junior level. Like, he had yeah. that crazy 38-point performance against America in the U19. And, yeah, so, and he's actually he was actually decent at the 2021 Olympic qualifying tournament. Yeah, I Victoria. agree. It's like um, him and Wiggins were like clearly the best two. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think RJ, if he can kind of get those second side looks and say, okay, if we can we can score a little more efficiently, he can get to the free throw line, he's gonna hit his open threes. I think it'll be his performance kind of really will show if Canada is gonna actually make it past the group stage this time. Yeah. No, I mean, I think those are those are definitely two very good X factors. I would just say like one of the bench bigs has to come in and be really good defensively. I think that's 
I, I, I worry less about the offense mostly because I'm just like, if we're if we're in need of a bucket, like we'll give it to Shea and either he's gonna draw like a blitz at the top of the three and 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 he's able to you know spray it around and whatever. Honestly, as you're playing four on three, you, Canada has more than enough talent to to get you know consistent offense out of that. Um, or if he's allowed to play one on one, I just don't really see many players in this entire tournament that could contain him. Quite frankly. And, you know, I don't know. It will have to be until Canada sees Team USA for them to see a defender that can consistently shut down Shea. And, and I honestly, I don't even think that those players exist in, in the planet, quite frankly. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not as worried about offensively. I guess I'm just worried more about defensively. And, um, again, speaking to just us watching, you know, Canada basketball um, in the last five years or so, another traumatic event was just seeing Dwight Powell get in foul trouble last time at the 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 the, the world cup qual- or the uh, olympic qualifiers that canada paid for um to to win the bid to host him at victoria it was in the middle of covid so nobody could go to the game so they took a huge financial loss on that but hey at least you have this opportunity to qualify on your home soil and you're playing czech republic and i i don't even know what the big name was but he had like 19 rebounds oh Boy, i remember pa- it was uh andrej balvin i don't know if i'm yeah. pronouncing that correctly okay. but yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Yeah, um, yeah, he had like nineteen rebounds, and again, it's just like I wouldn't I would say like stereotypically like FIBA villain, just like seven foot tall, <laughs> kind of looks like uh, um, kind of looks like Nikola Pekovic. It's just like I it got like these strange tattoos, and he's balding, and all of a sudden he's just dominating Team Canada. And I'm just like, if only we had one more big. And so that's my concern. It's defensively, like just one of these guys yeah. steps up, whether that's Kyle Alexander. I, I mean, I'd be way too optimistic to expect that out of Zach Eady. But again, just based on sheer size and physics, maybe he could do a little bit of that. Or if Dwight Powell just doesn't get into foul trouble, I mean, he clearly is a very good positional defender, still very athletic. He's just undersized, that's all. He's just six, he's just six yeah. seven, right? So it is difficult for him to sort of hold up. But I don't know. If I could feel more assured in the front court for Team Canada, especially considering the first games against France, um, in the actual World Cup itself, like I would feel feel great about it. But uh, yeah, either way, yeah. I still feel pretty damn good about this roster, which is uh, quite good. And, and actually, I just thought about this. I didn't put it on the rundown, but I I, I was just thinking about this. L- let's assume Jamal Murray doesn't play, right? L- let's say that you know he's uh, the contract's not hammered out, or you know Denver ultimately steps in and says, "Hey, you can't play." Or honestly, maybe he's just too tired to play after uh, making the finals run and coming off of the injuries. The the t- the let's just say like the the B team, which this wouldn't even be a B team, but sort of the other Canadian players who are not going to this tournament. This is what that roster could look like. All right, Jamal Murray, Andrew Nemhard in the at the point guard position, yeah. uh, Benedict Matherin at two. Um, I don't even know. Let's just say Osh- uh, Corey, Corey Joseph backs him up. Okay, that that those are your four guards. Your wings would be Andrew Wiggins. Uh, it would be Omax Prosper, it would be O'Shea Brissett, it would be, I don't know, name another Canadian wing. Let's just Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Just watched him play at the the ball don't stop run. He uh literally had his head above the rim at least three times in this tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so let yeah, Shaden Sharp. There you go. And then your bigs for this tournament would be Chris Boucher, Cam Birch. Uh, Trey Lyles, and I don't know, just another 
big for Canada. The bigs are always a little underwhelming for Canada. But my point is that roster is like of guys who aren't at this tournament but are Canadian is like on par with the actual team that we're sending. (laughs) And the team is already the best team we're ever going to be sending to to a competition. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we always talk about this, but we're at the point where now where Canada can send two like pretty much entire teams uh, comprised of NBA players. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's like um, like kind of an interesting kind of problem for Canada Basketball and Rowan Barrett, the general manager, to solve because I know they they kind of leaned into this uh, summer core idea, building mm-hmm. continuity, building chemistry, um, and it looks like even maybe potentially sacrificing talent to kind of keep that camaraderie and that um, continuity available, and you know at least. You know, we don't know if that, or at this point in time, I don't know if that's a better solution than to just go all out talent. Um, but what I do know is just that's what Canada basketball has tried to do in the past: is grab as many NBA players that want to come, mm-hmm. throw them out there, maybe play one or two exhibition games, and then hopefully talent wins out. Um, and so, like, at least they're trying something new with this summer core idea, kind of making sure people come to training camp and playing in the World Cup qualifiers in the summer when they can. Um, and yeah, I think this. Well, this is going to be the, the test of is the core continuity idea um, a good idea. And obviously, there's so many other factors that come into play for a deep tournament run. Um, things like the, the draw, for example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting problem to have. And I think Canada basketball right now is tackling that by just saying, we're, we have our core of NBA players and Euro pros. Everybody else who's kind of on the side. We, we extended the invite out to you, but if mm-hmm. you didn't want to commit, then you're probably not going to be a part of the program. Yeah. No, I mean, I, again, like, we're just kind of really blessed. I think more than anything else, like, um, where, again, like, the B team could considerably beat the A team. Um, it is just kind of nuts to even think about. But, yeah, I mean, look, listen, it, it's, it's going to be a really strong roster. It's not, like, the perfect roster, but it, it is strong enough. I mean, I think Canada is, like, actually second to the USA and – betting favorites to to win this thing i mean i don't know what that necessarily means especially at this point where we don't even know if the second best player is going to be going or not in jamal murray but like um yeah i mean i think there's definitely a lot of enthusiasm with this group so uh yeah so on the ninth so in two days uh as of recording so canada is going to be playing uh germany in, in germany so we'll see dennis uh schroeder um, sorry, he he did tell me the exact way to pronounce his name, and I still don't know. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll be seeing Dennis, um, potentially Raptors starting point guard, potentially Raptors bench point guard, going up against Shea in in the friendly. That will be really fun to watch. Uh, Canada's also scheduled to play New Zealand, and then if they do advance to play a final in the third day, third game, I guess I'll see another opponent there in Germany. Then August seventeenth, they're going to be playing Spain and also Dominican Republic uh, in uh, Granada. And then they will be heading over to uh, Jakarta uh, in, in Indonesia, where they're going to be playing uh, France uh, for their first game on August 25th, uh, I believe at 9.30 a.m. So uh, that'll be exciting. But um, yeah, I mean, what are, what, are you, what are you hoping to see in, in some of these warm-ups? Besides the obvious thing that, like, knock on wood, no injuries, because, yeah. Right, I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think for me, the main thing is just what the offense kind of looks like with Jordan Fernandez. Mm, right. Um, yeah, you know, like the Sacramento Kings, where he was in, um, the assistant coach, had like the best offensive rating in NBA history last season. Yes. 
And it was like kind of like a very unique offense in terms of like the trends um, in the NBA where, you know, they ran the second least amount of pick and rolls per game. And then they ran the most handoffs mm. um, yeah. in the whole NBA by far uh, per game. And I think that is kind of like, I guess, a con- con- contrast to what I guess most people kind of assume is like, good or what what is run at the nba level where yeah. a lot of pick and rolls high pick and rolls five out spacing um that sort of a thing and i think so for me i think that's definitely what i want to be or i will be on the lookout for is just what does canada's offense look like with jordy mm-hmm. um and i think the other thing is just it's also these like international friendlies they're against like actually like really good competition yeah like Germany is a really strong team. Um, Spain, of course, who is kind of in our path, mm-hmm. the quarterfinals, you know, reigning champions of Eurobasket, reigning World Cup champions. Yep. Um, every year, top four, literally for like since yeah. 2000. Every yeah, year, no every matter tournament. How, yeah, no matter how talented the team is or yeah. how many NBA players they have, they just find ways to win. Um, and I think also playing against Dominican Republic, which is probably going to be Canada's biggest rival to get that second spot to qualify for the olympics from the mm. america's region well i'm, I'm assuming america is going to make it far here. yeah i mean they're, they're um, gonna yeah but so cats Republic, playing for dr right yeah so karate towns is playing i think they have a two-way player with the golden state warriors lester quinones i think that's like okay yeah lester quinones yeah i saw him yeah, yeah. He was, he and was then right. they have like that really um the really young prospect who was with overtime elite couple of years ago um jean montero who's okay. kind of like a a guard who can really score and kind of create from the perimeter um so yeah i think dominican republic if we're going to look ahead into kind of the draw would probably be canada's biggest threat to, mm. to not making it to the olympics so it's a, it's a good um good set of teams to play as um warm-up yeah i i'm with you in terms of just like what the offense is going to look like because um it, it's obviously so difficult to just be like Jordy as the lead assistant or one of the front end head coach or assistant coaches for Sacramento that clearly worked um for Sacramento this year just because of the fact that they were so efficient like it's so hard to say like the the roster is not entirely the same having said that though you I'm sure you could have take a lot of the same principles that you can take out of that group right like um Kelly can sort of do a lot of what Sabonis does on dribble handoffs and offer I would say similar threats, but more in terms of popping instead of rolling. Uh, obviously, yeah. Sabonis has this like incredible, uh, not incredible, but he's, he's he plays very physical and, 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 and at a very consistent level, which I think is something obviously you wouldn't necessarily associate from Kelly's game. But uh, at the same time, like Shea could be De'Aaron Fox and you could see a lot of those sets sort of working out for them. Um, but yeah, defensively too, I just want to see how they line up because, um, you know, this team, if, if that is Jordy's true intention is to sort of make them lock down defensively, then, um, yeah, I want to see sort of not just what they do in terms of who they put on the floor, but just also tactically what they do. Are they going to get creative? I remember just watching Nick, uh, and, and the 2019 run, there was a lot of box and ones. There's a lot of, you know, two, three zones, you know, the, the classic Nick nurse, they like, again, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, if you come to see Nick Nurse, it, it's like going to see, like, you know, Oasis. Like, if they don't play Wonderwall, you'll be pretty disappointed. So, Boxing One is his Wonderwall. Uh, and so, yeah, like, you know, I, I guess I guess we don't really know exactly what to expect from Jordy. Um, but it's it's a big responsibility. And it is a little unfortunate that uh, 
Canada had to have this head coaching change um, uh, sort of on the eve of this tournament. But at the same time, like, to me, it sounds like most of the players are pretty, like, okay with the change. Like, I, I, my biggest concern was, like, okay, are players going to drop out? Yeah. I mean, attendance is still really strong. Like, even without Jamal, this is really strong. And also, Jordy does have this connection with Jamal having worked as a assistant in Denver for a long time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean... I, 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 where would you say your expectations are right now? Like, are you cautiously optimistic? Are you like very optimistic? Like, where are you at in terms of how Canada's going to do uh, at the World Cup a couple weeks from now? Right. I think, I think for me, um, I will lean to more cautious, optimistic. Okay. Just because of what, how Canada basketball has uh, fared in the past, and it seems like every time something goes wrong. Um, yeah yeah like yeah. every time like literally yeah. every time something has to go wrong and it does go wrong um yeah so yeah i think yeah. just because of that i will always be cautiously optimistic i think when the, the training camp invites were even announced mm-hmm. i think I, I wrote this like quick news here on rappers republic and i was like hey guys don't be too optimistic just yet you know <laughs> like just wait just wait um uh-huh sure but yeah, yeah like just given you know the talent of the squad whether it's with jamal or without jamal um, you know, I, I hope and I, I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll make it out of the group. Um, and then I think what's unfortunate is Canada kind of got the rough and the rough end of the stick with the draw again. Um, definitely compared to even like the Dominican Republic, which is, as I said, was our biggest rival. Mm-hmm. Our path to the quarterfinals is much more difficult. We're probably going to have to beat one of or we have to beat one of France or Spain because only two teams right. um, from the from Group G and Group H. So, or how it works is basically Canada is in Group H with Latvia, France, and Lebanon. Mm-hmm. The top two teams from Group H move to a second group stage um, where they take the top two teams from Group G, which is Spain, Brazil, Ivory Coast, and Iran. Mm-hmm. And then they form another group. And then the top two teams from there, that group combined G and H to yep. move on to the quarterfinal. So that means that Canada is going to have to beat one of France and Spain at minimum, probably mm-hmm. um, to make it to the quarterfinals. And then, you know, you compare that to the Dominican Republic. Their group is the Philippines, Angola, and Italy. Okay. And they're, and you know, no Paolo Banquero because he went to play for the U S yes. I believe the Italian uh, Federation president was, was, was big bad. <laughs> He was like, I yeah. don't say this easily, but this is betrayal. I was like, all right, yes, man. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. And then yeah. you look at Group B, and it's, I think, South Sudan, China, mm. Serbia without Jokic. Still and Puerto Serbia, Rico. though. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and Puerto Rico. But, like, you know, you look at that, those eight teams there, and it's like, you know, you might say Serbia, and, like, okay, especially with Cat, like, Dominican Republic looks like it can make it to the quarterfinals mm. um, or slot it in which is a big concern because if Canada doesn't finish top two, they're not going to make it to the Olympics once again. Right. Um, but well, overall, I would is say- there going to be a chance to get some qualifiers? Like if, can they make it through the t- qualifying tournament thing next year? I mean, obviously that's even lo- a longer shot, but it is sort of like a last chance kind of thing. Yeah. So I think what happens is if you place in like a certain, I think it's like maybe like between 17 and 24 or something along those lines mm. i don't remember exactly but there is going to be a last chance there's always a, like that last chance yeah. qualifying tournament and there's like 
three or four of them around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to win the whole tournament, essentially. Yeah, exactly. For your you region. Win the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah, you know, Canada hasn't, you know, 2016, <sighs> they were there. They got, they lost to France with Tony Parker. Uh-huh. And Corey played out of his mind. Um, but, you know, Tony Parker was just Tony Parker. Yeah. And then, yeah, the last time, Sadoransky, yeah. Yeah, that the Sadoransky thing was just so wild because um, Wiggins was having like, that's probably the best I've seen Andrew Wiggins play, man. I mean, obviously Andrew Wiggins is an NBA champion and he's had some great moments and all that other kind of stuff. But like the way he was just taking over offensively and creating every single shot and making every single shot down the stretch was just wild. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the most heavily contested shot of all time, the Thomas Sadoransky of all people um, somehow yeah. drops in. So, yeah, that was that was very tough because I was very confident Ken, I think, was going to be. I believe Greece was waiting for them in the finals. They already beaten Greece once uh, in that mm-hmm. tournament. I I thought the matchup was good, and and uh, yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate. But listen, I mean, like I look, I I still feel very optimistic about this about their chances because I feel like as much as we're saying right now, like it, it is a tough run and it is a, objectively a tough run for Canada. Like I think most of their teams are going to be looking at Canada like that is a extremely difficult opponent to to deal with like even france in their first game like they're gonna have certain advantages because it's it's france and they have some really good talent but like they're gonna even struggle i think against canada like that's to me that's more 50 50 i would say france obviously has much more continuity and more experience mm-hmm. on the roster but like like and beats not officially french yet right yeah i don't think he uh, at least... let's go let's yeah. go let's go <laughs> Yeah, they're yeah. not gonna trot out the the Gobert, Wembenyama, and Bead lineup yet. Yeah, yeah. So if it's Evan Fournier and Rudy Gobert, and and look, that's gonna be fairly a formidable. Like I don't think we should un like you know uh, overlook that. But at the same time, like I I think Canada has some options against you know that that team. Um, you know, with with all due respect to France, who you know also consistently do really well, um, at these tournaments, but. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to to watching how it all plays out. So, um, yeah, Jonathan, you know, is is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, please let everyone know where they can read your primer. I think that's probably the best place to go in terms of just, like, yeah. getting yourself familiar with uh, just what this team looks like. Obviously, there's been guys who have dropped out since then, but still, it's it's incredibly detailed, especially for a lot of the FIBA guys who – um, you know, uh, obviously this this program is an NBA program, but uh, you know, you you clearly have kept a, a close eye on um some of the other players that will probably factor into this tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just say I think yeah, I think the primer is kind of the place to go at least for the 2023 World Cup. Um, and then kind of throughout the qualifiers, I think I'm going to have some other pieces based on kind of more the X's and O's and kind of what the offense is looking like, what I think the offense might look like, what it looks like under Nick Nurse and mm-hmm. who, by extension, Nate Bjorgren, who is like still an assistant coach, so he might play or it might right. come into play a little. Um, yeah, so if you're interested in kind of the strategy side of basketball more um, mm-hmm. and kind of like sets and like schemes, I think I'll be having a couple of pieces about related to that, those topics. Um, but yeah, I think in general it's the uh, primer for sure. All right. Um, yeah. So your your Twitter account is Jonathan uh, C Chen, and then with an extra N at the end. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, I think Jonathan C Chen. So C's like my middle name. Yeah. Yeah. But somebody, some like random small private account has Jonathan C Chen, so I can't. Okay. Take it. Yeah. All right. 
So it's Jonathan C Chen, and then with the end of the end. But no, seriously, yeah. it's uh, it's it's been great following your work. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, actually, I, you know, I have two surprise questions before we leave. Um, and these are all just like I'm trying to add a deference to to you because, uh, number one, wh- where can I watch these friendlies? Right. Yeah, I think so. I know a lot of people in kind of Canada basketball Twitter uh, have been kind of looking around uh-huh. specifically yeah. like Wit in true north and and i talked to blake and so it doesn't look like it's going to be on sportsnet i don't think uh-huh. um and so then i think it's like FIBA has like a streaming service called like courtside 1981 okay yeah yeah oh yeah um, 1891 or something like that oh, I 1891 think, yeah. something like yeah, that yeah, yeah, so i think yeah. it's a paid service and they also like have like a disclaimer like fewer restrictions apply so I'm so sure about we're going to have to have like an express VPN and then set a replication yeah. to like Maybe Germany and then courtside 1891. Okay. Yeah, I would love, so I would love the easier it. way to watch these. I feel like a couple years ago, like I think team USA, like they just had it on Twitch. Like you could just watch their scrimmages or one of something. Like you just literally go on Twitch and watch <laughs> yeah. it. It's, I would love if, if team Canada could set something up similarly. Um, yeah, there is last time for the, the 2019 world cup, couple like at least the australia games were were streamed on cbc sports okay um, all right yeah and let's do up, that but um hopefully uh, yeah I, at this point i have no idea and i'm still kind of okay all right let's uh yeah we got to figure that one out uh if, if it has to be some sort of illegal streaming situation i would never endorse that on a sportsnet property <laughs> however um I, I may also have to see what i can do uh because again right. my, my right. job is to cover basketball and uh, i will be looking to to, to do that to the best of my ability um the other question is um so yeah i mean you and i are both chinese um how do you think china's gonna do what oh that's a that's a good question um yeah because when you were describing think... the easier path i'm like i don't, I don't know like with kyle <laughs> anderson with lee kyer on the team let's go baby yeah i think um i think obviously kyle anderson is a big get and a huge get what you, yeah, uh, yeah like, although they brought him off the bench for the first game which i was very yeah, confused by yeah 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 you know they're easing him in they're easing him in mm. um right but yeah i think they have like a very interesting roster construction okay because hit me to me they're at least i'm like not the most um in in tune with like the cba players but sure yeah um i think their guards are much worse or their guard rotation is going to be much worse than their front court rotation. It's always like that, man. <laughs> because, um, yeah, you know, they have like Joe Chi, who's yeah. like huge and, yeah. he, you know, he is a good FIBA player. Like, even oh, yeah, absolutely, bro. Do great in the NBA, but he's huge. Joe Chi had like a 2020 game to to give China the Asia World or Asia, like Asia Cup, something like that, against right, the Philippines. Right. It was like him versus Andre Blatch. Um, who is definitely less Filipino than than, than <laughs> Kyle Anderson is Chinese. Yeah. Kyle Anderson is actually one eighth Chinese. All right. Yeah. He's got he, like a grandparent that's it's yeah. it's in Hong Kong or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I think so with Jochi in the middle. And then they yeah. have like these three really interesting, I think, wing prospects. Okay. Uh, aside from Kyle Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have like two other kind of really interesting wing prospects to me. Um, one of them is Sanbo Zhang, who is yep. with the G League Ignite. Yep. Um. And yeah, he's an incredible shooter. He's he's a little skinny right now, but I think hopefully he can play a big role. And then the other guy, um, that was put on my radar this year, uh, was uh Kevin Zhang. Um, I think he, okay. he I don't actually remember his um like his Chinese name, but mm. he played at Montverde. 
with uh oh, okay. Lampard and RJ Barrett for a year. All right. Um, he was at like the Nike Hoop Summit, and I think the last time I saw, I, I, I it was some Twitter article. I, I don't remember who wrote it, unfortunately, but it was talking about how he was kind of developing into this nice kind of connecting wing who could pass a little, shoot a little as like okay. a secondary creator. All right. Um, and he was like six seven, six eight, so he had some good size as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I would, I think China is like, I mean, Puerto Rico might give them a little bit of a, a run for their money, but I mean, I think they should make it out of the group. But you know, just like Canada's yeah. men's national team, it never really seems to come together. Yeah, well, I mean, at least for that, there's a better reason for that. It's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually don't know why China can't produce any good guards. I was having a conversation with a friend who like, um, like comes from the like came lived in Beijing until like mm-hmm. pretty much university and then came here for for school. So he's like much more attuned to like Chinese basketball. And I was asking, him, I was like, you know, why do we only have these bigs? Because like China is able to develop bigs. I mean, we're able to find like tall people in yeah. like uh, a pool of like 1.4 billion people. We could find the tallest people. But he was just basically was like basically like sports development. Um, as he understood, it was sort of like they line everybody up from tallest, shortest to tallest, <laughs> and then they literally take like the three tallest guys. And like, all right, we're gonna put you towards like the the basketball stream or the academy or whatever. And naturally, if that's all you're really gonna do, you're gonna really struggle to find these guards. And even though there's like a ton of interest in basketball in China, like it's like mm-hmm. honestly probably the the biggest sport amongst like people, um, you know, I don't know, fifteen to thirty age 15 to 30 like it's basketball such a such a big deal um yeah like you just can't find any guards who aren't just sort of like yeah who aren't just like essentially just guys who chuck the ball up and (laughs) don't don't shoot a good percentage and aren't that good defensively either so yeah i'll be um like an interesting point because uh i I was watching the united i covered the united world cup this past summer yeah um the raptors republic and China, like they actually like their best prospect was another big, and he yeah, actually was like legit. Like I think I don't know if you've seen the Twitter. It's like oh yes, you, the Chinese yeah. Jokic. Yeah, <laughs> no, but yeah. the passing was nice. I, I listen. Yeah. We're very biased, but the passing is objectively nice. All right. Yeah, and, and it seems he's actually a really good room protector too. Oh, word. Like, Wait. Okay. Really all right. Why is he? Is he on? Is he on the roster? Is he gonna play? For... No, I don't think so. I don't why, think so. Why, man? <sighs> I'm not sure, but uh, he. Yeah, I right. think mobility issues maybe a little bit because you know just with his size but sure, yeah, yeah. he's looking like a fantastic prospect but i think there's another prospect it's actually a guard this time um his name is Weyland Zhao and he was okay. 17 so he was two years younger yeah and he's a 510 point guard and like i think he was probably maybe the second or third most interesting prospect to me mm. uh, by my at the world cup and actually when i dug into it it kind of fits into what you were saying because he was actually born in Italy and he was developed in Italy and he plays pro right now. In bro, Italy, that's fine so. with me. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, doesn't really have like the, or he's not part of the, or he wasn't developed as much, I guess, by the Chinese mm-hmm. national basketball program. Um, but anyways, yeah. So that might be a guard for the future, but he's a little on the smaller end right now. I- I'm looking forward to it. And if we find any other cases of like, any players worldwide that have one eighth Chinese citizens like <laughs> ancestry, like let's let's open it up. Let's let's get some guards in particular. I think Kyle Anderson is gonna be sick. Uh and yeah, I mean that'll be my backup team, obviously. Uh 
<laughs> in addition to Canada for sure. So it'd be nice to have two teams to root for. Anyway, uh, Jonathan, thanks for your time. I appreciate you. Uh, everyone go follow you on Twitter. Again, that's Jonathan C. Chen with an N at the end. Uh, hopefully you get like, you know, the the, the full account <laughs> someday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, but in the in the meantime, uh, for this program, yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely do more Team Canada coverage. Um, you know, there's obviously not that much going on basketball-wise for the Raptors. I mean, your updates are like Grady Dick went to Carabana. Um, <laughs> you know, the whole NBA was basically in Toronto for Carabana this weekend. Uh, what, Fred was back. He had like a party at rebel um gary trent came through like there's i don't know like these are the kind of updates that you're getting right (laughs) there's not even like open runs yet i think they finally got to la now so maybe we'll see some more rico hines footage i think pascal is in austria uh as part of you know promotional tours for red bull um seems like Jakob is mm, somewhere in austria as well but in vienna instead of salzburg uh where i think red bull has their headquarters so those are your updates. So uh, I, I guess I will try to find more Raptors content, but until we have more of that, we'll definitely be looking a lot at the World Cup. And uh, yeah, we'll be rooting for Canada because it's 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 a damn good team. Um, even though it's not perfect, it's it's really, really, really good. And uh, it's a sign of the program getting to a better place. So we'll see. Um, again, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but if it doesn't, this team looks sick. So um, thanks everyone for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the Raptors show and uh, tune in for more basketball content.